Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first, and their covered wagons, they find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is Matt Auguste, founding partner in Venture Science. The website is venture-science.com. Matt, how are you doing? Hi, Richard. I'm doing great. How are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So I just want to start off directly. Uh, tell me about Venture Science. What is it that you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're located in San Francisco, and we are um, on the investment side of things. So we invest in um, technology companies. Traditionally, we've invested in early stage companies, but this year... Um, We've transitioned more into uh, investing in sort of mid to late stage companies as well. So not only we engage with the companies in their early stages, but we also look at them as they evolve and grow and progress. So what constitutes uh, early stage versus middle or late stage? What does that look like to someone that doesn't know? You know, essentially that to us, that's technical for uh, the amount of capital that the company's raising, essentially. So, you know, angel stage or seed stage, they're typically raising anywhere from half a million dollars to maybe $2 million. Mid-stage, they're raised, now raising, they've progressed the, pro- the products out there. People are using it. Now they're looking to scale. And so now they're raising maybe upwards of three, five, ten, twenty million dollar companies. And later stage companies are companies who've raised 
the early stage. They've done well, and then they they raise more capital, and now they need even more capital to grow. Um, and so those are companies who are in need of much larger capital um, influx into their companies. So, um, you know, the average amount that goes into each stage and, you know, how they're named these days, whether whether this much equals angel or seed, what have you, changes a lot and, and it's not really relevant. But um, looking at companies in their sort of lifetimes as a, a private company, and these are companies that are young. These are companies that are new and uh, they're going after disruptive technologies. Uh, Now, of course, with the onset of um, blockchain, we're very much interested in companies um, developing solutions in that realm. Have you invested much in uh, blockchain-based companies or is that like a brand new area? Uh, We are investors in Ripple, for example. Um, it's a best-of-breed company. In, in terms of blockchain companies, we're really interested in finding those who have the, the value proposition by which they're going to be the winner in their particular space. Now, this is a little bit different than how we used to invest or how most venture capital firms used to invest, in which we would look at a company with a particular solution for uh, maybe a smaller problem, and if they executed well, we really, really like that. Uh, now, in the blockchain realm, we like companies who are going after much larger problems, but at the end, they started out with the end goal of being the end-all, be-all, um, the biggest game in town or the monopoly in that particular uh, area that they're essentially going after. And so if you look at Ripple, for instance, that's exactly what they're doing. They're going after the payment space, looking to replace Swift and a um, bunch of others. So um, that's why we really, really like that company. I think they're going to do great. Yeah, it seems like this uh, you know, this past year, there's a lot of competition in almost every niche in, uh, in crypto or in blockchain. So how do you know who's going to be the uh, the leader? You know, how do you yeah, figure you, that you out? Yeah, you don't know. Of course, there is no recipe or a crystal ball for anyone to say this for this company is going to be the winner. However, um, you know, you you do know what some of the ingredients are. Um, you know, for instance, what's the makeup of the team, where they came from? And this is another difference between blockchain companies that we see today and the startups that we used to see, say, you know, two or three years ago. Before, we would look at very young sort of um, new teams, uh, you know, co-founders maybe dropped out of college or right out of college uh, starting a company. Now, we're seeing more experienced people uh, with deep knowledge in their um, expertise areas. They come from a number of different companies. Their, their tenure covers a lot of different things. And then they get together and then they create a company in that blockchain space um, going after winning the entire segment that they're in. And so when you compare companies, you really look at you know where the team came from, uh, you look at the technology, you look at um, their target market. Uh, of course, the bigger, the better. Uh, you look at um, potential margins, how they're selling the products. Venture, uh, venture science were a lot more calculated than maybe some of the other uh, venture investors out there were a lot more quant-driven, and, and um, we try to quantify all of the uh, attributes of these companies and try to understand how um, all of these attributes contribute to 
the potential risks and rewards that uh, we would see in a given company. And so um, it's a it's a difficult task. It's uh, something that we spend a lot of time on. Um, but at the end of the day, those are some of the key parameters that you really want to cover when you're looking at companies, uh, not only in the black ch- blockchain realm, but in any other um, sub-vertical as well. Well, I figure you'd have a perspective on the market that a lot of people wouldn't have because you evaluate so many companies. <clears throat> so, I mean, if you wouldn't mind sharing, what do you see is happening now? You know, first, I guess, first off in the crypto space, you know, it seems like IEO, ICOs are, uh, you know, coming to a point where they've attracted negative attention from the SEC and CFTC. Where do you see things going this year? Yeah, I mean, so in terms of the ICOs, uh, when they first started out, it was just kind of the the Wild West. You know, anything was up for grabs and people did anything and everything. And, of course, uh, that attracted the attention of the the, uh, regulators, not just here in the United States, but around the world. And rightfully so, um, because when you offer something, uh, a a portion of your company or, or what have you, um, then you you need to uh, pay close attention to the rules and regulations that cover that. And um, so the SEC rightfully step, stepped up, uh, provided guidance, provided um, information, and provided uh, essentially a, a number of key opinions in terms of how one should conduct uh, um, an initial coin offering or however other way that they're looking to raise capital for their organizations. And so um, if you're an investor, you really want to make sure that the company that you're looking into complies with all of the rules and regulations, uh, not only in your home country, but around the world. And so I think uh, the SEC has a phenomenal group of people there working. They understand the space very well. And um, I think going forward, the companies that um, understand these rules and laws and regulations and play by the book are the companies that uh, are uh, are also well-funded. They have um, not only technical teams, but they also have legal and regulatory teams in-house. Because remember, these are the companies that want to change the world. They want to go after a certain sub-vertical and own it. It's not small task. It's not like, you know, two guys dropped out of college and create a company out there. These are vast propositions. And so things should be taken very, very seriously in that realm, and the investors should pay close attention to the companies uh, who are uh, in compliance with the SEC and any other regulator around the world. And so um, that would make things a little bit more difficult, but I think it would make things a little bit safer and, and secure and, and better for everyone in the long run. Now, in terms of the your other question, you know, cryptocurrencies, you know, what's happening in the marketplace and Bitcoin or what have you, I think one huge element to really pay attention to is the exchanges. Um, running an exchange is no small task. If you look at the New York Stock Exchange, um, they've been around, um, I don't know how many hundreds of years, uh, at least 100 years, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so running an exchange, uh, essentially a platform where uh, instruments are bought and sold and markets are made and transactions are carried out is really, really not easy. Um, just because a platform has a name and and it and and it's and they call themselves an exchange and the website looks beautiful, it doesn't mean that all of the underlying technology, uh, the methods, um, ways by which transactions 
should be uh, uh, matched and carried out in ways that does not disrupt the marketplace, that does not disrupt and um, in certain cases crash uh, you know, the market for that particular instrument. It's very, very important. And I think going forward, 2018, 2019, um, the leading exchanges are going to get better and better and better. Hopefully, I mean, that's that's my hope as an investor. They're going to right. learn a lot more. Um, and once the exchanges are, I guess, quote unquote, stable, and the transactions are because you know if you if if you just go to any discussion forum any um you know any reddit page people are complaining about oh my transaction didn't take place and you know i send you know the coins never made it there i mean so those are things that you hear not just once or twice but across the board and so right. they kind of got in gear real quick a little too fast maybe to to kind of go after the exchange space and um, I think the big and serious ones are going to fix those problems one after another. And once we have stable exchanges facilitating, um, you know, these transactions, then I think the market's going to come to a more and more stable place. Right now, uh, some minor news breaks, and all of a sudden, you see these vast uh, movements one way or the other in in these exchanges. And uh, you also read reports about, I don't know whether they're true or not, but there's a lot of reports and um, analysis around what the true volume levels are, whether or not those came across inflated um, in the exchanges around the world. So again, um, that should be uh, fixed and that should come to a stable point. Once that's done, then I think everything is is going to be at a much more um uh, you know, stable and and trustworthy place. Yeah, I think a lot more money will come into the marketplace by that point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, money. You, you know, you institutional money and uh, you know also individual retail money as well. I mean, nobody wants to put money in an exchange and you know log on there the next day to see oh the transaction that I put in you know put in half of it didn't ha- take place. What right. happened here? What happened there? And, and and nobody wants to see that. Um, if you if you want to buy a stock in the U.S. equity markets, it works beautifully well. Nasdaq, you know, New York Stock Exchange, you know, those are not th- those those groups have spent vast amounts of energy and resources in in perfecting the exchange. So uh, you know you can't just wake up tomorrow morning and and two or three developers put their get together a website and all of a sudden provide trading um, for cryptocurrencies and it's just not going to work. Interesting. What, what do you think is going to happen to the uh, ICO or token sale model this year? How's it going to react to the regulatory pressure? Do you think that people will go back more to equity plays to raise money, or will the whole model go away, or what do you guess will happen? I mean, I don't think the um, premise of selling a token will go away, because now now that it's here, it's not going to fully go away. But I think it's going to be become more expensive from a regulatory point of view for people to go through the regular and necessary registrations with the Securities and Exchange Commissions, and I personally think they should, um, because those, uh, you know, those rules and uh, regulations are there to protect the investors, and uh, it makes things difficult and a little bit more expensive. But I've already seen many companies who are going through the registration phases now, 
Um, it's not, it's, it's, you, you know, what's not going to happen is, you know, uh, two guys in a shingle, they're not going to be able to raise $15 million in a uh, token presale. Um, but, you know, whether or not that's something you want to put your money in, you know, really it's up to, up to you to decide at the end, at the end of the day. Um, you know, so I think we will see companies that are, uh, financially stronger, perhaps with a stronger value proposition to go out there and raise capital and be compliant. Um, as an investor, I'm only going to invest in um, companies who are raising via compliant ways. We we don't invest in non-compliant um, companies at all. Right. Makes sense. Um, in addition to, well, actually starting within blockchain, any niches that you see that are um, going to really have a resurgence in 2018? Yeah. Any particular areas? Yeah, that's a very good question. So within the realm of blockchain, we look at things around three um, axes, so to say. Uh, one of them is um, the financial aspect of it. Is this company solving a fintech problem? Uh, is is the movement of money involved? You see some companies, for instance, Ripple is a good example of that. They're directly in it. They're all about movement of money, and that's that's what they do. Then you see other companies in the document management space, or um, you know, identity management, and um, it kind of starts going um, down the stack that way. Uh, other companies, they're both, they're also in the blockchain realm of things, but they're not about money. So the main question that I ask is, is this company about finances or not? Um, if if you've never invested in a blockchain-based company, um, I would say that your your first place would be a company that's in the fintech space. Why? Because trust is more uh, prevalent there. Um, which is our second axis. You know, how important is trust? Um, the whole premise behind blockchain is verifying transactions. That way, uh, trust is generated um, in and of itself. So, for instance, um, if you're an athlete and you're selling your logo on a T-shirt um, at a basketball arena and somebody goes and buys that T-shirt, uh, you actually have no idea if anybody ever bought the T-shirt. Now the arena, the, the merchant knows, and then the buyer knows, but you don't know. But if it was a blockchain transaction, you immediately see it inside the blockchain because you're part of it, you're a node in it, so you do know. And so uh, a trust element in that case uh, emerges and it becomes necessary for you to really understand your total um, loyalty earnings. And blockchain makes that available without which... Uh, you really are at the mercy of the reports that you get from the merchant. And the third thing that we look at is the technology itself. I mean, how good is the technology, uh, the blockchain technology? It's not easy to, to, to just all of a sudden create you know, a coin or a token, but we're looking, at, looking for teams uh, you know, with deep programming experience, computer science experience, teams who are going to sit down and, and, and write the next generation um, software uh, to take advantage of blockchain and push the boundaries further and further and further to make things happen. So in summary, you look at a company, what's the sub-vertical that they're in? Is this finance or money related or is it not? Uh, how, how well is the trust element captured in there or is there a trust element at all in 
the proposition of this company? And and thirdly, how good is this technology? I mean, I know some investors who are so technical, we do the same thing as well, that they will pull co- code from uh, GitHub repositories, from public repositories, um, those sure. are public repositories, and then they'll review that before they invest in a company to see what how good the, the actual underlying code is. Now, of course, yeah, all of these components make it um, a little bit difficult. I mean, again, investing in early stage private companies, I, I, you know, I sometimes I, I tell people it's one of those things like, you know, you, you see on TV, don't try this at home. You know, um, it, it's really one of those things you, you really yeah. need to have um, knowledge about many, many aspects of it before you, uh, you write your check. Makes sense. Okay. Um, are there any uh, technologies you wish would be uh, developed that you can invest in that are just not there yet, or that you're seeing are just right around the corner, almost here? I mean, actually, Richard, that's a really, really good question. I think blockchain uh, started that wave. But um, for me, when when I look at it, what we call it today, blockchain, or you know other technologies, we're really interested in things that happen kind of on the distributed realm. All of us are walking around with um, uh, smartphones, uh, uh, supercomputers in our pockets. And these mm. these smartphones, these supercomputers are getting more storage space. They're getting more and more powerful. Um, the CPUs in them are getting more and more powerful. Um, network internet connectivity is getting better. 5G is around the corner. So I really don't care whatever it's called, blockchain or what have you, but I care about um, decentralized distributed computing, uh, taking advantage of uh, the supercomputers that each and every one of us have in our pocket. And so uh, when I look at a company, that's kind of the filter that I'm uh, putting them through. And Really, if you look at it that way, it becomes kind of trivial. It becomes so easy to see the true merit of a company when you're evaluating it for investment. So you're looking at a company and they'll say, okay, we're a software as a service company and this is what we're going to do. And and you uh, you, you you look at it deeper and deeper and, and they're no different than any other company out there. Their, their platform is on the internet, you know, they... They took some hostings from AWS, and um, right. it's just like everybody else's. Are you excited about that? I'm not very excited about that. I might still, you know, if the team and everything else is right there, you know, it's still worthwhile to invest. But that's sort of like looking back 20 years ago when software was being shipped around the world in plastic boxes. And then around mm, that yep, time, yep. people were making software in plastic boxes and and. and and containers, but other people had started making software that ran on the cloud, that ran on the distributed. So where would you have bet more? Both of them would make you money, but one of them made you vast amounts of money and created Googles and Facebooks of today. And so that's the way we really look at it. Okay. So everything moving towards distributed computing makes sense. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, I mean, all of us are, again, walking around with supercomputers in our pockets. Well, I learned a little bit about mesh computing. That's yet another level of uh, distributed computing. You know, local networks that may not even need to be on the main internet. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's really amazing the things that are happening. I mean, there you go. I mean, that's another concept right there. So again, um, it, it's not just 
oh, blockchain, it has to be blockchain. No, blockchain is like, you know, in the distributed computing realm of things. It's it's the concept is actually not new. Concept goes back maybe 30 or 40 years, but it just started becoming more and more available now because the computers are getting smaller and more powerful and the internet that connectivity, the interconnectivity is getting faster and faster. And so it's just going to be a natural byproduct of that, whether it's mesh computing or blockchain or whatever whatever else the next thing would be. But when you start talking to entrepreneurs, uh, they put forth their ideas um, and then you start looking at the technology behind it. If it's in this particular realm to take computing and um, interconnectivity to a new level, we're interested in that. Yeah, that's the last question I was going to ask you is, uh, you know, blockchain is the darling right now, but what other technologies are you guys really interested in and are you looking at right now? Um, I mean, a lot of them may not even have names, um, sort of marketing names like the blockchains of today, uh, but we are constantly looking at technologies that again, um, push push the limits. It's sort of like, you know, when you look at a company, think about it this way. They're working on technologies such that if they can't pull it off, there won't be any company. But if they if they figure it out, then everything is changed. But the reason they're, they're the the reason is the technology, not any other attribute of the company. So it's like, well, we're working on this storage. So think about SanDisk, for instance, when they first figured out how to store things in a little, um, you know, secure digital card and how that changed. If they had never figured it out, there would have been any SanDisk. And so many companies tried to push that and didn't work out. Theirs, they figured it out. So we're interested in these companies who are pushing, they're on the cutting edge. If they make it work, it's great. Uh, we're not interested in sort of the me too kinds of companies. Now, there's nothing wrong with running a me too kind of company. It could provide, you know, income for you and your family. It could become a lifetime, uh, a lifestyle um, kind of a company. But if you're after, um, you know, vast returns, then 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 you really need to find companies who are uh, on the cutting edge and, and, and pushing the boundaries. Very good. Um, so what's the best way for listeners to find out more about venture science and, uh, you know, talk to you about possible possible investments, that kind of thing? Well, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, Matt Oguz. Uh, also visit our website, venture-science.com, and go under the team tab, and uh, my information's on there. You can just add me on LinkedIn and uh, maybe, um, you know, drop a little note along with it so that uh, it's easier for me to kind of uh, understand, you know, uh, the context of uh, the connection. And, and I think this is a, um, a good suggestion for anybody who wants to add anybody else on LinkedIn. Make sure you add a little note in there. Uh, that mm. makes all the difference in the world. And then uh, contact me and um, I will try to get back to you guys. Okay. Very good. Well, Matt, thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate your time. Well, thank you, Richard. Uh, thank you very much. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters 
are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s and the dot-com boom in the 1990s and the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.